0: Hello, and welcome to Jackie Just Chatters. I am your hostess, Jackie Lentz. When you have inspired thought, you have to trust it, and you have to act on it. That quote comes from Jack Canfield. What Canfield doesn't warn us is that you never know the strange sequence of events that will happen and tumble together to spark that inspiration. Mine began with Allison. Allison was in the first class of students I ever taught. Over the years, we've made that journey from teacher-student to friends, recently bonding over our mutual need to express ourselves through the written word. We both were in possession of a book that was highly recommended to each of us, and I will only say belonged in the sphere of Agatha Christie, though not itself one of the dame's books we decided to do a two-person book study and read it together. However, about a hundred pages in, we both found neither of us were connecting to the novel. You just aren't going to love everything written, folks. It happens. Finally, after much discussion back and forth, we decided to abandon the project. We just weren't into it we agreed to attempt another novel at a future date but afterwards i felt kind of empty and unfulfilled what i needed was a shot of Christie herself thankfully the new death on the nile movie had recently been released so i went and watched the movie (laughs) what a sumptuous film folks The color, costumes, sets, the music were a feast for all the senses. Kenneth Branagh's performance was haughty and cheeky and utterly enjoyable. I highly recommend the movie. If you are a Christie fan, watch it. I was at last fulfilled. Then that night, just before going to bed, it started an idea in my head. I thought about writing a murder, but not like Christie. No, doing it through a series of letters that I could send to my pen pales. Each week they would get a letter bringing them closer to the murder itself, and then trying to solve the crime afterwards. The next morning, when I woke up, I was possessed by this muse, and I sat down at my laptop, and I wrote letter after letter, creating my primary character, who I knew was going to be killed off about halfway through this process. I set about making the world she lived in. Again, still feeling that cloak of Christie lingering about me. It had to take place in an English village and not in modern day, mm, you know, mid-century at most. Slowly, the pieces began to fall into place. It was on that night as I was going over some of the letters that I asked my husband for his opinion and I decided to read the letters out loud to him. Another spark of inspiration dawned on me. If I sent these out to my pen pals, it would be a wonderful project, and they would thoroughly enjoy them. But about five people would ever get to read, and and get any satisfaction out of them. Which side note here? In a two-day period, I produced about ten thousand words. That was the most amount of writing. In the shortest amount of time I've ever done so far, I will be interested to see if I can ever outdo that again. But if I use these letters in my podcast, a wider audience could take part in the listening and the joy of trying to figure out who done it. I also quickly realize i I would need the help of real English speakers. I did not want to try to read these letters myself, attempting different voices and an accent. That was going to be a mistake. It was going to be a much richer experience with native voices. Let me take this moment right now to say an enormous, huge Thank you to all my voice actors. You are amazing. This couldn't have happened without you. I will never be able to fully express the appreciation I feel of the gift of time and energy you gave to make this project a reality. You are wonderful people. I am blessed. Deepak Chopra said, Inspiration is that state in which mind and heart are connected. While working on this project, I really felt my heart and mind became one, focused on trying to create something fun and special. Allison, thank you for being my muse for this. I hope I can return the favor one day. This is the first letter in my ongoing mini murder mystery serial. Each week will bring a fresh letter in this cozy tale of murder. I hope you enjoy. To silence a scandal monger murder in an English village. Welcome to another installment of this audio drama. Play along as you step into the role of one Gwendolyn Armstrong who is living in 1951 Oxford England and is in the final months of earning her bachelor's degree in history from St. Hughes. Your post is full of regular letters from your Aunt Ivy and other occupants of the charming village of Upper Stock Green. On the surface, it seems a serene picture of stone cottages, beautiful green countrysides, and charitable neighbors. But underneath, in the darkness, a sinful world hides, and the shadow beats the heart of a murderer. By the time the last letter arrives, can you identify the killer? let's join this week's adventure shall we a letter to gwen
1: from aunt ivy 8th of january 1951 rabbit hill cottage upper stock green england dear gwenny hello my darling niece i hope you are staying warm we've had a bit of snow here of late the rooftops and hedgerows look as if they are dripping with icing As long as the paths are not too icy, it is very pretty to look at. Has it been snowing as well in Oxford? I hope you are working hard at St Hugh. I do miss you terribly. Since your parents' passing, I have tried my best to fill their void. I can't imagine your father would approve of you using your inheritance to get this higher education. But since you have been so determined to follow this path, I am certain you want to be a credit to your family and not waste their money. It was still a bit shocking that at 20 you went off to university when most girls that age are becoming wives and mothers. You always did have an independent streak in you. I think that came from your mother's side. I don't recall many rebellious Armstrongs. It was delightful to have you finally come and stay over the Christmas holidays. The visit cheered me up no end. I believe my favourite part was trimming the tree. I haven't bothered with a Christmas tree for many years. With just myself there, didn't seem much point. What a lark it was! How brave you were, teetering on the chair to get the star on the top. I admire your balance. The star was always a job of either Uncle Herbert or Daniel. I still cannot understand why the Lord saw fit to take... "'both my husband, son, and your parents in the last decade. "'You were the last family I have. "'It felt like forever since I'd last seen you. "'I am sure the leaves were starting to change "'and Mrs Owens was baking you fresh apple tarts on the previous visit. "'Though I do appreciate your letters "'keeping me up to date on your activities and such. "'I must admit the bits you put in "'about what you were reading for your classes Do you go over my head and bore me a little, but some of us are not meant for that kind of thing. I decided on the more traditional path, marrying your Uncle Herbert and having your cousin. Alas, now I am alone due to those evil Nazis and Herbert's stroke. I suppose not totally alone, though. You did come for a visit at last, and I hope you enjoyed your time as well. I am planning that you will come back for the Easter holiday, It seems during those times that family is most important. I was glad that mincemeat rations were lifted and I could make my famous mince pies for our holiday celebration. There wasn't a single leftover pie by the end of the night. I observed that two of the local gentlemen seemed to be paying you a great deal of attention. Who am I referring to? Don't play coy with me, young lady. I'm talking about Constable Freddie Allen, for starters. You two seem to spend a great deal of time discussing your mutual love for Sherlock Holmes. Is that considered a topic for discussion about courting couples these days? Back when your uncle and I were sparking, he told me my eyes were like emeralds and my lips like rose petals. He quoted Byron and not Arthur Conan Doyle. Maybe Freddy needs more practice. That cosy conversation, however, did not stop you from dancing with Mr Lucas Davies, our country solicitor. Those Mr Glen Miller records you brought home had the two of you cutting a rug. I don't know if it is a decent thing having a solicitor who can dance as smoothly as Mr Davies. But you two did make a lovely pair to watch. I may have reservations about this fancy education of yours, but Gwen, dear... I must admit, I enjoyed those records of yours more than I thought I would. I have shocked Mrs Owens, my housekeeper, by having listened to some of those Mr Miller songs on the radio since you left. She admonished me to act my age. Since I don't pay her for her opinions, she can keep them to herself. You were too busy twirling with Mr Davies to notice young Freddy. There is that saying about if looks could kill. I can't imagine that Freddie is going to be very friendly with Mr Davies any time soon. Does either of these young men interest you? Or were you just having a holiday fling? I know you think it is none of my business. But dearest, in a small village like Upper Stock Green, my neighbour's business is mine and vice versa. You can like it or lump it, but that's how things are. Send me more news. Soon. And make sure that you are avoiding any socialists. I hear things on the wireless. Love, Aunt Ivy.
0: Come back in a week for Gwen's next letter as we work closer to solving Who silences Scandalmonger? Have any suspects, speculations, or insights? Head over to my Facebook author page and share your theories. You can find the link in the description. This podcast was written by Jackie Lentz, narrated by Jackie Lentz, and Ivy, voiced by Diane Foxhill. Mm-hmm.